Welcome listeners, but take heed. We will say whatever we need to share our knowledge, thoughts, and joy, and even things that do annoy. So join us now, but be aware, we have a tendency to swear. We'll dial it back a little bit, but frankly, we don't give a shit. Welcome to Just Keep Rolling, a Harry Potter book movie compare and contrast podcast. I'm Katie, and my pants are velvet. I have had my hands all over them. They aren't velvet. They're felt. (laughs) Ellen, that sounds way dirty when you say it like that. But they're so touchable. Not helping. Let's just keep rolling into the rolling rehash. Last week, we covered the first half of Chapter 35 and the corresponding film scenes. Ill-timed Oompa Band makes for an awkward homecoming. Dumbledore tries to make sense of the chaos, but should maybe focus on his comforting skills instead. Batshit is batshit, and trust us, it's all batshit when not Moody is involved. When fun flasks come up empty, that's when the real fun begins. And between Harry and Amos... Cedric's death brings out all the tears. During episode 110, who you? That can't be true. Our Potter pondering was, what are your thoughts on how the movie handled the first half of this book chapter? Hi, Ellen and Katie. This is Ashley with this week's Potter pondering. I was ready to go on a rampage, but I just have a little mini rant because the movie and the book does match up really well in this section I must say my only real aggravation is I like dumb Harry in the book I like dumb traumatized I don't know what's going on I just get magic the fuck up y'all was I mean come on now he didn't know what was going on and in the movie they give us this stupid ass a regular American horror story cliche it happens in every fucking horror story in America, where, hey, I didn't tell you this, but how do you know this? Ha-ha, you're the villain. That is not how that shit played out. Harry didn't know what the fuck was going on. He was completely clueless. And I don't even understand why the movie felt like they had to add that in there anyway when y'all been telling us the whole fucking time who was who. The only person who was shocked was Harry. You didn't even give him a chance to be shot, just in pain and pissed off. And a cliche as revelation. What? Oh, but anyway, that's the movie for you. Does it every fucking time. And where the fuck is Dobby? I miss him too. Shit. Hey, so this is Sarah leaving a very feverish and sick Potter pondering. So the surprise was gone because we already knew that Moody was crouch so it's well what's this whole point of the scene because we already know the surprise and i truly hate actually how mad eye slash crouch is like "Uh oh the jig is up because i mentioned the graveyard when it's quite obvious that he's out of polyjuice potion and is going to turn back into crouch anyway so wouldn't the jig be up then like come on fuck right off Anyways, as this is my favorite book, I really fucking hate how they did this whole scene. It could have been done so much better. And Harry's just like, oh, I'm in shock. I can't act. Blah, 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 blah. I don't know what's going on. Oh, wait. Look at 
a graveyard? What? I don't know. It's just stupid. And I can't believe you guys convinced me to call in while I have a man voice like this. But, hey, here's the strep throat. Hey, Ellen. Hey, Katie. So, my weapon ring for the first half of Chapter 35. I'll start with the things that I did like. Well, I liked them for how well they were done, but I didn't like what they did to me. (laughs) The emotion in Harry's face. God, the tears and... You just want to hug the poor guy. You know, the poor kid has just been through so much. And then Amos, oh, oh, Amos. That gut-wrenching yell, it never fails to make me tear up. Never fails. Another thing I like, even though it streamlined it and didn't have all the stuff, Moody's ranting was pretty funny. Yeah. Crap, yeah. <laughs> oh, it made me laugh quite a bit. Most of the things I didn't like, just the usual things, the streamlining, the changing of different details. The minor changes didn't bother me too much here. They they were okay. For the most part, this I think that this uh, first half of Chapter 35 was done okay. was done pretty well. Thank you so much for your responses. Our trivia question last week was, what did Barty Crouch Jr. do with his father's body after he killed him? Under the influence of Veritas Serum, Barty Crouch Jr. admits that he killed his father, carried the body into the forest, and covered it with the invisibility cloak until he could go back and transfigure it into a bone that he buried in the freshly dug earth in front of Hagrid's cabin. Congratulations goes to Mike Riley. Woohoo! This has been the most variety of people answering the trivia question each week in a long while. It makes it really exciting. Who's going to win next week? Mike again? Jackson? Dave? Someone else? We shall see. For now, let's just keep rolling into the second half of chapter 35, Veritaserum, and the barely corresponding film scenes. Chapter 35, Veritaserum Part 2 Dumbledore reaches into the pockets of the stunned fake Moody's robes and pulls out a hip flask and a set of keys on a ring. He asks Severus to fetch him the strongest truth potion he has and then bring a house elf called Winky up from the kitchens. He also requests that Minerva escort the large black dog sitting in Hagrid's pumpkin patch up to his office. The two professors leave to fulfill these instructions with no apparent confusion, and Dumbledore approaches the trunk with the seven locks. He inserts a key in each lock, one at a time, and opens the trunk, revealing spellbooks, broken sneakoscopes, parchment and quills, an invisibility cloak, various other contents, and then with the seventh key, Harry lets out a cry in amazement when the trunk is opened to reveal an underground pit of a room where a starved-looking Mad-Eye Moody is fast asleep. He's missing his wooden leg, his eye socket is empty, and his grizzled hair is missing several chunks. Dumbledore lowers himself in the trunk to check on him and determines that he's stunned and controlled by the Imperius Curse. 
He asks Harry to throw down the imposter's cloak, but otherwise figures the former Auror is in no immediate danger. Once out of the trunk again, he opens the hip flask and pours out some polyjuice potion, explaining to Harry the simplicity and brilliance of it, since Moody only drinks from his hip flask. He points out the real Moody's uneven hair, used to keep making the potions all year, but also says that he thinks that with all the excitement tonight, the imposter will have forgotten to take it on the hour every hour. Dumbledore pulls out the desk chair and sits, he and Harry watching as the minutes pass by in silence. Then, the man's face begins to change, scars disappearing, skin smoothing, hair turning straw-colored. The wooden leg falls away and a normal leg grows in its place, same with the magical eye, leaving a freckled, pale-skinned, fair-haired man that Harry recognizes from Dumbledore's pensive. Hurried footsteps announce the return of Snape, with Winky and McGonagall right behind him. They are both shocked to see Barty crouch and the little house self flings herself onto his chest, squealing Master Barty and accusing Dumbledore of killing her master's son. Dumbledore explains that he's simply stunned and asks Severus for the potion. Snape hands Dumbledore the same small vial of clear liquid that he had threatened Harry with, and the headmaster forces open Crouch Jr.'s mouth and pours three drops in. He then uses Renervate to wake him and kneels down to be on his level. He asks if the man can hear him, and when he mutters an affirmative, Dumbledore begins questioning him how he came to be there starting with how he escaped from Azkaban. In an expressionless voice, Crouch explains that his mother saved him by persuading his father to rescue him as a last favor to her before she died. They visited him and gave him polyjuice potion, so he and his mother could trade places. Winky tells him to stop talking, but he takes a deep breath and continues, explaining that the Dementors are blind and didn't realize the switch happened and his mother continued drinking the potion up until she died a short while later and was buried there as him. They staged a funeral for her when they got home, and the house elf nursed him back to health. He then had to be concealed and controlled by his father using a number of spells, like the Imperious Curse, and he always had to be under the Invisibility Cloak. Dumbledore wonders if anyone else knew that he was alive, and Crouch explains that a witch from his father's office, Bertha Jorkins, figured it out when she stopped by with some papers to be signed. Barty Crouch Sr. wasn't home, so Winky showed her inside to wait, and she overheard the elf talking to him and figured out who was hiding under the cloak. When his father got home, she confronted him and he put a very powerful memory charm on her to make her forget, but ended up damaging her memory permanently. Winky is sobbing at this point, worried that they are all going to get in trouble, but Dumbledore asks Crouch to continue, wanting to know about the Quidditch World Cup. Crouch explains that Winky talked his father into it, so that he didn't have to live his whole life imprisoned, and they carefully planned to get him to the top box under the invisibility cloak earlier that day with Winky, and to have her say she was saving a seat for his father. But Winky didn't know he was growing stronger and fighting the Imperious Curse. He had a moment where he was almost himself again in the top box and saw a wand sticking out of a boy's pocket in front of him. He hadn't been allowed a wand since before Azkaban, and he stole it without Winky realizing it since she had her eyes covered. Winky calls him a bad boy, and Dumbledore asks what he did with the wand. 
Crouch continues to tell his story, saying they went back to the tent and then heard all the Death Eaters who never suffered for his master and had turned their backs on him. The sound of their voices awoke him, and he was so angry. Winky used her own magic to bind them together to stop him from going after the Death Eaters and pulled him into the forest, away from the commotion. He tried to resist because he wanted to go back and punish the Death Eaters and used the stolen wand to cast the dark mark into the sky. The Ministry Wizard showed up and shot stunning spells everywhere, hitting them both through the trees, stunning them and breaking the connection between them. When Winky was discovered, his father knew he had to be nearby and searched until he found him, putting him back under the Imperious Curse. He fired Winky for letting him acquire a wand and almost letting him escape. It was just him and his father in the house until one night his master came for him. He arrived in the arms of his servant Wormtail, having found out he was alive from Bertha Jorkins in Albania. He had also learned about the Triwizard Tournament, that Moody would be teaching at Hogwarts, and that he had escaped Azkaban but was imprisoned at home so he couldn't seek his master. His master conceived a plan from all the information and showed up at his house for him. His father answered the door and was placed under the Imperious Curse, yet forced to go about business as usual. Once free, Barty Crouch Jr. was asked to be Voldemort's faithful servant at Hogwarts to subtly guide Harry through the Triwizard Tournament and ensure he reached the Triwizard Cup that he would turn into a portkey. They needed Alistair Moody to achieve this, so Crouch and Wormtail prepared the Polyjuice Potion ahead of time and then journeyed to Moody's house. He put up a struggle, but they managed to subdue him just in time, forcing him into his own trunk. Crouch added some of his hair to the potion and drank it to become his double just before Arthur Weasley showed up to sort out the muggles who overheard the disturbance. He had made the dustbins move around in the yard and told Arthur that he heard intruders in his yard who set off the dustbins. He then packed up Moody's belongings and set off for Hogwarts, keeping the real Moody alive under the Imperious Curse so he could question him and be able to fool Dumbledore. He also needed his hair for the polyjuice, but stole the rest of the ingredients from the dungeons. When Snape found him in his office, he said he was under orders to search it. Dumbledore asks what became of Wormtail, and Crouch tells him that he returned to his father's house to keep an eye on him. The headmaster then asks about his father escaping, and Crouch tells him that after a while, he began to fight the Imperious Curse too so Voldemort forced him to say he was ill and to send letters into the Ministry instead of letting him leave the house. But Wormtail was neglectful, and he managed to escape, heading to Hogwarts to tell Dumbledore everything. His master sent him word of the escape, and told him to stop him at all costs, so he used Harry's map to watch for him. Dumbledore wonders what map he means, and Crouch explains that it's Potter's map of Hogwarts that showed him stealing ingredients from Snape's office, making Harry think that the Crouch on the map was his father. He explains that he took the map from him that night and claimed that Crouch hated dark wizards, leaving Harry to think that his father was after Snape. Crouch waited and watched for his father for a week before he showed up on the map. He then put on his invisibility cloak and went down to meet him. Before he could, Potter showed up with Crumb, and he couldn't hurt him since his master needed him. He waited until Potter ran for Dumbledore, then stunned Crumb and killed his father. Winky wails at this point, unable to believe what Master Barty is saying, and Dumbledore continues questioning him, 
asking what he did with his father's body. Crouch Jr. explains that he carried it into the forest and covered it with the invisibility cloak until he could deal with it later. He had the map with him and watched Potter run into the castle, saw him meet with Snape and then Dumbledore joining them. When Potter and Dumbledore left the castle, he doubled around behind them and then joined them, saying that Snape told him where to go. Dumbledore sent him to look for his father, so he went back to the body and watched the map until everyone was gone. Then he transfigured it into a bone and buried it in the freshly dug earth in front of Hagrid's cabin. Aside from Winky's sobbing, the office is completely quiet until Dumbledore prompts him to explain about tonight. Crouch Jr. tells him that he offered to carry the Triwizard Cup and turned it into a portkey. He whispers that his master's plan worked, and he has returned. An insane smile lights up his face as he says he will be honored beyond the dreams of wizards, and Winky continues to sob at his side. The movie section starts out with Dumbledore holding Moody by the neck with his left hand while he has his wand in his right hand over Moody's face. He calls for Severus and Snape approaches, opens a bottle, and pours the entire contents into Moody's mouth. Dumbledore continues to hold the struggling man as he asks him if he knows who he is. Moody snarls that he is Albus Dumbledore, and the headmaster shakes him by the collar and asks if he is Alistair Moody. The man snarls again, saying no, and Dumbledore asks if he is in this room. When the imposter doesn't answer, Dumbledore repeats the question more forcefully and then notices him glance at the trunk by the fire. Professors McGonagall and Snape also turn towards the trunk, and Dumbledore yells for Harry to get away from it. McGonagall motions him towards her, and as Harry moves out of the way, Snape points his wand at the trunk and it magically opens, revealing several trunk lids within that also open. The three professors and Harry cautiously approach it and find Moody down at the bottom of a magical room within the trunk. Harry realizes that Moody is in the trunk and wonders who is out of the trunk, and Snape opens the flask that fake Moody has been holding. He smells its contents and realizes that it held polyjuice potion. Dumbledore makes a comment about now knowing who's stealing from his stores, and Snape and Harry exchange a look. Dumbledore then calls back down to Moody to let him know that they will get him up in a minute, and then fake Moody begins moaning. They all turn back to look at him and watch as his face and hands appear to be melting. The imposter pulls Moody's magical eye away from his face and it drops to the floor as he continues to writhe in pain, reverting to his usual form, leaving Barty Crouch Jr. sitting in the seat that once appeared to hold Mad-Eye Moody. His tongue flicks out of his mouth a couple of times and then he lunges at Harry, who is pulled to safety by Dumbledore. McGonagall points her wand at Barty Crouch Jr.'s throat as Dumbledore calls him out by name. Crouch Jr. says, I'll show you mine if you show me yours, and pushes up his sleeve to reveal the dark mark. Dumbledore looks at it and asks for Harry's arm, grabbing him by the wrist and holding it out next to the Death Eaters. Barty's tongue flicks out again and he asks if Dumbledore knows that this means he's back. Lord Voldemort has returned. Harry apologizes, saying he couldn't help it, but Dumbledore just requests that they send an owl to Azkaban, since they are missing a prisoner. He begins leading Harry out of the office, and Barty calls after him that he will be welcomed back like a hero. Dumbledore says perhaps, but personally he's never had much time for heroes. Crouch Jr. attempts to get up, but is pushed back into the seat as Snape presses the tip of his wand into the man's cheek. Like we said last week, this is where the movie really starts to deviate from the book chapter. 
starts. It still gets some of the gist in there, but boy, does it leave out a lot. It also changes quite a lot of how it was done, like for the sake of streamlining things. It really does. Mm-hmm. In the book, Dumbledore just starts rifling through the faked Moody's pockets while he's stunned. Sure. Maybe there's gold. Instead, he pulls out a hip flask and a set of keys on a ring. At this point, he asks Severus to fetch him the strongest truth potion that he possesses and to then go get a house elf called Winky that's down in the kitchens and bring her back here. Winky. Winky. Not Ed Sheeran? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, you know that little house elf that they didn't include in the movie? That one. Dobby? That one, too. Oh, the other one. In keeping in line with the strange requests, he also asks Minerva to escort a large black dog that's just hanging out in Hagrid's pumpkin patch to his office. These are all really random seeming, but we all know what the hell's going on. We know what's going on. (laughs) And honestly, those two professors were just like, all right, normal day at Hogwarts. (laughs) Right? I mean, I feel like that was probably the least awkward of most of Dumbledore's requests that day. Probably. You know. Not even that day. Just in general. Just in general. (laughs) The dog this time, not the rabbit. Okay. Yeah. (laughs) This is sort of done in the movie. Sort of. But also, not really. The movie section starts as Dumbledore charges in and grabs Moody by the neck with his left hand. He holds his wand in his right hand over Moody's face as he calls for Severus. Snape approaches, opens a bottle, and pours the entire contents into Moody's mouth. Well, mostly into Moody's mouth. He, like, misses quite a bit. This definitely streamlined things as it cut out quite a bit. And Uh it also kind of switched the order of some things, too. It really did. Because obviously Snape is already there with the potion in this instance. Mm -hmm. And in the book, Dumbledore's just chilling, waiting for him to come back with the potion. Yeah. So it makes you wonder in the movie, was he just waiting to slip it into Harry's pumpkin juice? Oh, for sure. He just carried it with him always. (laughs) Just carries. That's what that was. Yeah, just carries the most powerful truth potion that he can find. Yeah. But while he's waiting, he decides to take the keys over to the trunk with all of the locks and just does some investigating. Sure. And just like opens up each compartment one at a time. So it's also not the way the movie had it. but No. It's separate keys that magically opens different compartments. Mm -hmm. And when he gets to the seventh key and the seventh compartment, it's this whole big underground pit of a room inside the trunk. That's very Mary Poppins. Right? (laughs) And Harry's just like, what the fuck? Moody Poppins, if you will. Moody Poppins, yes. (laughs) But anyway, Harry's just like, what the fuck? Because there is a Mad-Eye Moody down in the trunk. Look, just say, a Mad Eye Moody. And there's a Mad Eye Moody stunned on the floor. Which is which? Who is who? Who you? That can't be true. <laughs> right? <laughs> this is also sort of done in the movie, but also not really. <laughs> it's the part that's out of order, like you said. Yeah. So the actual Moody down in the trunk is missing his wooden leg. His eye socket is empty. Ew. And he's been given the world's worst haircut. After Harry's in this movie, at least. No, I'd still argue that it's the worst because Harry's horrid hairy hair was actually a lack of a proper haircut. I don't know if I'd still give him that distinction, though, but... Doesn't matter. I digress. 
in the book, Dumbledore actually climbs down into the trunk to specifically check on the legless Moody. Mm-hmm. And he determines that he's stunned and under the Imperious curse and asks Harry to throw down the imposter's cloak because he's freezing, but otherwise probably okay. No immediate danger. I mean, that's good, you know, aside from, of course, the never-ending trauma he's going to deal with for the rest of his life. And we'll end up talking about that a little bit too, I'm sure. Yeah. But then Dumbledore climbs back out of the trunk and he goes for this hip flask, the fun flask, if you will. Haha, <laughs> the fun flask. And he pours out some polyjuice potion. So yet again, we have another difference from the movie because in the movie, Moody was just out of it. Didn't have the ingredients to make any more. Was panicking about it, as we talked about last week. Mm -hmm. And in the book, he's just like, well, this was pretty simple yet brilliant because Moody only drinks out of his hip flask. But I think in the excitement of tonight, he probably forgot. So he's actually pouring out what's left of the potion that not Moody could have been drinking. Yeah. But apparently did not. And they sit down and they just... You know, start twiddling their thumbs and watch to see what happens. I mean, sure. But within minutes, the man's face begins to change and his scars disappear. He starts to get a little bit younger looking, like the chunk in his nose grows back. The fake eye falls out and his real eye grows back in place. And then the hair changes to a straw color, which we have heard referenced before. Straw colored hair. That was Charlie Weasley, wasn't it? <laughs> yeah. Ed Sheeran. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Winky. Winky. Of course, Winky. Yes. No, and it's really cool because at this point in the book, we still don't actually know who this is. Mm-hmm. Like, this is a big moment in the book. Yeah. In the movie, we already know what's going we on. We know what's going on. This is all old hat for us. But that wooden leg falls away. A normal leg grows back. The magical eye, like I said. He's freckled, pale skin, fair haired. And Harry's just like, shit. That's the dude I saw in Dumbledore's pensive. <laughs> that's Barry Crouch Jr. And we're all like, oh my God. Because now Holy we get shit, it. Holy yeah. shit. This was a huge moment. I remember reading this for the first time and just being like, oh shit. Yeah, I remember the same thing. It was just... You couldn't believe it. It was as big of a reveal as Wormtail being Scabbers. Right. In the book before. It was, ah, mind-blowing. Right. Movie? Not so much. Not that the movie didn't give you that moment. You still did get a moment when you were like, holy shit. But it happened way too soon, I think. Yeah. Way too soon. So the actual reveal reveal wasn't nearly as impressive as it should have been. Right. You know, this whole thing was also done differently in the movie. Because Dumbledore starts questioning him under the influence of Veritas Serum before he ever changes back into Barty Crouch Jr. Even though everyone watching the movie already knows it's him. Yeah. Everybody fucking knows. Everybody. If you were awake during the movie, you knew. Yeah. Apologies to anyone who actually didn't know, but you knew. You knew. I mean... You knew. If you didn't know, it's because you weren't paying attention. Yeah. That's not on you. Or maybe you were like a little kid still. That's not on you. Or maybe you were in denial, even. Could be that. I'll give you that. Sure. But Dumbledore keeps a grip on the man's throat as he asks a test question to make sure the potion has worked. How it wasn't going to work when they poured pretty much all of it, at least onto his face. Oh my god, dude. They poured that whole bottle on there. It was so... 
overdone overkill yes <laughs> holy shit but he then follows up by asking if the man is in fact alistair moody the man snarls no and dumbledore asks well where the fuck is he because that would be my next question i have a thing about this what you have a thing about something in the movie i'll let you finish but i'm gonna get to it okay i'm sure you will you've never let me down before ellen but when apparently not Moody doesn't answer the question, Dumbledore shakes him and asks again. He notices the imposter glance over at the trunk by the fire, and Dumbledore calls for all these bitches to get out of the way fast. Like, now. Like, five minutes ago. Like, get the fuck out the way, y'all. Okay, so this annoys me. So much. Yes. Because in the book, Dumbledore already had a full theory about who this imposter was, where the real Moody was, and he was just looking for confirmation at this point. Mm -hmm. He already knew. The movie just makes Dumbledore seem like an angry, clueless old man. Yeah, I'll give you that. That's pretty accurate. And then there are the other obvious differences, like McGonagall and Snape aren't actually present in this particular moment in the book. Well, yeah, because they were off doing all the bidding and what The weird errands. Yes. <laughs> But everything is happening in slightly different ways right now. And I don't mind the slightly different ways, but they legit took one of Dumbledore's greatest powers, mm -hmm. his omniscience. Yeah. And they were just like, you're going to ask stupid questions in a very angry way. That's what you're <laughs> going to do in this scene. It's going to be intense. I mean, maybe they were trying to do that. And then Michael Gammon just didn't play it that way. It we probably be... shouldn't go there. We probably should. <laughs> yeah, you're right. I don't want to get angry letters from Michael Gambon's people. <laughs> you should have read the books. Moving on. Let's just keep rolling. Yes. In the movie, McGonagall reaches for Harry as Snape points his wand at the trunk. It opens and opens and opens and opens quite a few times before finally opening one last time as the three professors approach it and peer down to see the real Moody at the bottom of this really deep well, almost, in his fucking long johns. So, I mean, at least he let him keep his underwear. I guess, yeah, that was nice. There's that. It is rated PG-13. It is. That is a movie I don't want to see <laughs> the unrated version of. And like we mentioned, this trunk just opens and opens and opens, as opposed to it being separate magical compartments contained yeah. within one trunk. I really wish it would have been... Yeah. I wish we could have seen that. Yeah. Because it didn't really make a whole lot of sense. Like, it just kept opening and opening and opening, kind of like a... Russian dolls? Nesting doll. Yeah. The yeah, Russian was, nesting dolls? It was like a Russian nesting trunk. Yeah. And really, what's the point of that? I don't know if maybe, depending on the force you use magically to open it, it only opens to certain levels and it's different things, but they didn't show us that. They just... Yeah. It was weird. It wasn't how I pictured it. It wasn't how it was described. And also, Moody's apparently not stunned and under the Imperius curse. No, not at all. He just looks up at them, and then Dumbledore doesn't even climb down in the trunk to check on him. Mm -mm. But hey, at least they had the real Moody in a trunk. Ding! Yeah. That's the only thing I get this whole episode. That's like the one thing they did the same. Yeah. <laughs> and it wasn't even the same. <laughs> But once the question of who hasn't been teaching him all year is answered, Harry is only interested in who has. Snape flips the lid on apparently not Moody's fun flask and takes a big ol' whiff. 
Looking to Dumbledore, he confidently declares it to have previously contained Polyjuice Potion, leading the older wizard to conclude that now we know who has been raiding his spice cabinet. Harry and Snape exchange a look that clearly says, I, Severus Snape, am truly sorry I accused you of stealing from me when I had little to no proof of the matter. I beg you to please accept my deepest apology through eye contact since I am an emotionally stunted sociopath who blames his high school rival's child for all his own shortcomings and cannot possibly be expected to admit to any wrongdoing out loud due to my pride and the fact that I still think you're a little twat waffle. Alan Rickman is an amazing actor. He really is. He really did fit all of that into one simple glance that he gave Harry. <laughs> He really did. It was pretty impressive. But again, we're looking at a pretty significant difference from the book to the film. As we already mentioned, Dumbledore's the one who had identified that he'd been drinking the Polyjuice Potion. It also does not specifically mention that Book Snape realized that Harry had not been the one stealing from him. Though he's not an idiot, so I'm sure he did. Yeah, they didn't need the little sidelong glance. Yeah, but I don't mind that they included that because I would even go as far as to say that I'm glad it occurred. Yeah. <laughs> because it gave you the opportunity to translate the look into words and that makes everything worth it. I have to say that was really fun to translate. If I'm honest. It was so accurate, too. <laughs> it's like you were reading his mind. Insider scoop, I was. But also, that's not how it happened in the book. No, rarely is. It's at this point that we do get the return of Snape, who's got Winky, and then McGonagall's right behind them. And Barty Crouch has already turned back into Barty Crouch. It is no longer not moody. Mm-hmm. So they come back into the office, and they're just like... Barty Crouch, Junior, holy shit. Like, <laughs> it's just this moment of what? It's more reveals. Yeah. And then poor Winky sees Barty Crouch, Junior. And it's just like Master Barty and just throws herself on his chest. And it's like, Aww. you killed him. You always killed Master's son. <laughs> Winky. Poor Winky. You little punkin' you. And obviously, as we have mentioned before, this was not included in the movie because Winky was not included in the movie. Yep. Boom. Duel. Mm. But Dumbledore's just like, calm down. He's just stunned. Mm -hmm. And then he's just like, Severus, do you have the potion? And Snape hands Dumbledore the same vial of clear liquid mm -hmm. that he had threatened Harry with, which is also not how the movie made it look, but whatever. <laughs> And it's the headmaster who forces open Crouch Jr.'s mouth, mm -hmm. and he pours three drops in. Three drops. Not the entire bottle. None of it seems to get on his face. Drip, 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 right in his mouth. So there was still some left afterwards, what you're telling me. Apparently. <laughs> I mean, maybe there was only three drops left, but I somehow doubt that. That's possible. However, yeah. But aside from that difference, you are right that movie Dumbledore does not climb into the trunk and Moody is not stunned. At this point in the movie, Dumbledore just hollers down to Moody that they will be right down to get him before being distracted by not Moody, moaning like an adult film star at an audition, because it was kind of dirty. Oh, he got that role. Yeah. <laughs> they gave it to him. They really did. Then they all turn to see what is going on, and they see Not Moody melting like a wax figure at Madame Tussauds during a power outage. Like, his face is just bleh. 
Which, again, is not how it happened in the book. Because mm-hmm. Barty Crouch Jr. is back to being Barty Crouch Jr., for one thing, and still stunned. Yeah. Dumbledore has to use Renervate to wake him up. And he actually kneels down to be on his level. He very calmly asks if he can hear him. And when he gets a yes, a very muttered yes, <laughs> Dumbledore's just like, how did you come to be here? Start with escaping from Azkaban, please. I don't know if he actually said please, but that's just... That's how you assume. It's, yeah. It was very calm. Not Michael Gambon calm? <laughs> Crouch Jr. is just like, whoa. I don't know if this is an effect of the drug or having been stunned, but he's very expressionless. Yeah. And he explains how his mother is the one who saved him by convincing his father to do so as like a last favor to her because she's about to die. Mm-hmm. And he's just like, he loved my mother as he never loved me. And, like, there's a little sliver of me that does feel pity for this boy. Yeah. He was probably quite neglected. Probably. But clearly not by his mother, so fuck him. He's got mommy issues. Yeah, he's got issues. He's got a lot of issues. Very Oedipal. Yes. Mm -hmm. So because he was such an important person at the ministry, he was allowed to visit Barty Crouch Jr. in Azkaban. Which they don't let just anyone they do. They don't let just anybody do that. No. But they showed up there with the polyjuice potion already prepared. And they gave some to Barty Crouch Jr. with his mother's hair in it. And put some of his hair in more so that she could take it. And just full on switched their places. That's mom's devotion, man. It really is. I mean, I know she didn't have much longer left, but damn. I really wonder how she thought that was going to end, though. I mean... <sighs> You want to think the best of your kid. Side note, not really pertinent to the story, but just, it's there. It's in my head. I'm curious. Winky's listening to him tell the story. He's just like, stop talking. You're going like, to get us in trouble. Like, <laughs> don't, don't, no, don't tell this story. But considering that he's drugged, he just keeps going. And he explains that Dementors are blind And they had no idea that this switch even happened. They could just sense that one dying person and one healthy person showed up and one dying person and one healthy person left. Yep. So that's also interesting to learn that the Dementors are blind. In Prisoner of Azkaban, he does say that they don't differentiate between who they're hunting and who gets in their way. So this adds another level to it. Like, they can't differentiate. It's not just that they don't care or anything like that. They can't. They can't fucking see them. You're food to me. Yeah. I'm going to eat you. Yeah. You're here. I'm going to eat you. Sounds about right. Mm-hmm. And also, we don't fly. Fuck you. <laughs> <laughs> there is that. But they must have left his mother with enough potion to keep drinking it up until she died. Because if you drink it every hour, she could not have lasted long. Yeah. And the Dementors couldn't see her. She only drank it in case the other prisoners may have noticed and said something. But apparently she drank it up to the very end, died, and was buried as him in Azkaban. Which makes me wonder, like, does death not cause you to revert back to who you are? Or is it not an instantaneous thing? But if you die under the influence of Polyjuice Potion, do you just stay in that form forever and ever and ever? Or does it eventually wear off after like an hour anyway? Well, I mean, I would think that your body stops metabolizing it, so the metabolizing is what would cause it to wear off, no? So it would just kind of stay in your system. Maybe. If it's not being worked out. Huh. 
I used metabolizing in a Good sentence. Good for you. You sounded so smart. I know. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, please don't fact check me on that. <laughs> but anyways, they staged a funeral for his mother when they got back home because obviously they didn't have access to her hair to keep making the polyjuice potion. It'd be well, yeah. really weird if he had to have his son continuing to play his wife. That's very Norman Batesy and psycho-y. Like, yeah. Even for them. <laughs> yeah, it was just a... All right, well, my wife's died, which is true. So it at least gave Crouch Sr. an opportunity to actually say goodbye to her as well because he knew she died anyway. Yeah. And then they had the house elf, Winky, nurse Barty Crouch Jr. back to health. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, he then had to be hidden and controlled because all he wanted to do once he was well enough was to go and find his master. And Crouch Sr.'s just like, fuck, Imperio. What did they think was going to happen? Who could have seen this coming? Right? I mean, come on. <laughs> so stupid. This, is, this was all your fault, Crouch. Like you said, it was all your fault. Facts. Dude. But yeah, they kept him under the Imperious Curse, some other spells, and he basically just had to live under an invisibility cloak at home. That's fun. Dumbledore then asks if anybody else knew that he was alive. And Barty Crouch Jr. is just like, yeah, there was a witch from my father's office. I think her name was Bertha Jorkins. She, like, showed up to get some stuff signed and my dad wasn't home. So Winky, like, let her in the house for some stupid reason and just left her unattended. And this nosy-ass woman heard Winky talking to me and came to investigate and heard enough to figure out who I was. So she figured it out, confronts my father when he gets home, and my father's just like, Obliviate! And then damages her memory forever until she ends up in Albania, comes across Wormtail, who takes her to Voldemort, who then breaks the memory charm and damages her memory even further. But he learns all this shit that got us to here. That was a roller coaster ride from start to finish. And none of that was explained in the movie. None of it. None of it. Thank Damn you. it. They didn't even include Bertha Jorkins. Bertha Jerkins? Who? <laughs> right. They just had it like somehow he got all of this information and made this whole plan and took over like no explanation for how he did any of it. Mm -mm. And it's not even like this is recap. No. This is new information this that we're just finding out. Details yeah. that we never got in the movie. Yeah. But they just were like, well... We didn't know them in the book up until now, so why change that yeah. for the movie? And the poor little house elf is just sobbing at this point. Yeah. She's like, he was getting us in trouble. <laughs> I feel so bad for Winky. Winky got dealt a bad hand in yeah. life. Yeah. In life in general and in the movie, obviously, because she wasn't even there. But Oh, they just like full on. They were like dealing out all of the cards and just kept skipping over her. Yeah. <laughs> In the Uno game of script writing, they just kept giving her the skip card. Yeah. <laughs> skip you, reverse to Harry. Skip you, reverse to Harry. Dumbledore, draw four. <laughs> <laughs> and I would have loved to see how they did this scene. Because you would just have Winky basically sobbing and protesting as talking the whole time. And Dumbledore is just very calmly ignoring her and just being like, continue. What happened at the Quidditch World Cup? Movie Dumbledore doesn't do no, that. No, he does not. And I would have <laughs> loved to see it that way. Like, Dumbledore is clearly asking very pointed questions to weave everything together. He knows. Yeah. He just wants it confirmed. Yeah. But you know what? I hate to say it this way. 
it's almost better they didn't do it because you know that's not how this Dumbledore would have played it. Which is why he shouldn't have been this Dumbledore. I agree. But again. But that's my point. Ridiculous. So Crouch explains that Winky, such a sweet little elf, she used to encourage Crouch Sr. to give Crouch Jr. some treats for good behavior. Treats. I'm like, for good behavior that he's being controlled to do. Yes. But whatever. And she convinced his father to let him go to the Quidditch World Cup. And they put together this whole plan where Winky took him up to the top box under the invisibility cloak ahead of time. And she sat there with an apparently empty seat next to her saying she was saving a seat for Barty Crouch Sr. Mm -hmm. And had no idea that Crouch Jr. is just having these moments of lucidity. And he's just like, hey, there's a wand right in front of me. Yeah. And this is also something that we did not get in the movie at all no we didn't well we didn't get this whole scene to begin with happen in the movie did he use harry's wand in the movie no 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 because they never they never went up to the top box yeah harry's wand was never stolen he just had a rando wand somehow. yeah and this is just such a neat tidbit because it's also how they worked in to teach us about priori and cantatum ahead of time too Mm-hmm. also left out of the movie which we'll get to facts but anyway so this is when he steals harry's wand from his pocket and winky never saw it happen because she was afraid of heights and had her eyes covered the poor little elf poor little winky and when winky learns this she's just like master barty you bad boy (laughs) (laughs) like every ounce of me wishes that i could have seen this little elf come to life she was adorable yes but Dumbledore is still just like, and what'd you do with the wand? Yeah. So Crouch continues his story saying that they went back to the tent. And then it wasn't long after that, that all of the Death Eaters showed up to wreak their havoc. And it was in this moment that he really, really woke up. Because he got so angry at all of these Death Eaters that were out there causing shit, mm-hmm. stirring up trouble. And not one of them ever went to go try and find their master yeah and barty crouch jr is just like fuck you all and winky's super super scared to see him get that angry so she uses her own elf magic to bind them together and literally drags him from the tent which if you remember they were talking in that scene back in that chapter how winky was running really funny Mm -hmm. and now we know it's because she was literally dragging an invisible person along yeah. When Harry was just like, I bet she didn't ask permission to run. <laughs> no. No. She was running funny because she was trying to drag a full-grown wizard behind her. Yeah. Who was resisting. Which we did not get in the movie at all. No. And that's a really <laughs> fucking cool clue to have that tie together. Yeah. Because he was trying to resist. He wanted to get back and punish all the Death Eaters. Mm-hmm. The closest that he could get to that was to use that stolen wand to cast the Dark Mark into the sky. Yeah, which sent them all fucking running for the hills. Yeah. This one little part right here is yeah. the only recap that we're really getting right here. Right. Because we already know that the Ministry Wizards show up. They shoot stunning spells everywhere. But then new information is that those stunning spells not only hit Winky, which we did know, Mm -hmm. it hit the invisible Barty Crouch Jr. as well. So when Crouch went to go check and see if there was anybody else in the bushes where they found Winky, 
it was because he knew that his son was going to be there and he's searching for his invisible son until he finds him and he puts the imperious curse back on him and then fires winky not because she disobeyed him but because she nearly let his son escape and let him acquire a wand but who really let him do all those things it was all a very dumb idea. It was terribly it was planned all, out. Yeah. Nope. It was... Everyone's at fault here. It, they really Everyone's are. at fault. But it was also really stupid for him to fire her. Well, yeah. But not just because it was shitty. It's also because it left him alone at the house with his son with no help. Mm-hmm. And who wants that? I mean, that was clearly part of the issue to begin with. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> who wants to be in a house alone with your kids? Not me, but that's why I don't have any. Well... I don't even like being alone in my classroom with my students half the time. (laughs) (laughs) But anyway, so they have this lovely little setup going on where he's now trying to control his son by himself. I don't even know if he was just leaving it. Like, was he stunning him and going to work? And like, how do you do that without the help? Yeah. What was he doing? Like, there's no way that he could have sustained that for any long given amount of time. And what kind of effect would that have had on his mental state if he had any mental state (laughs) well yeah okay point taken yes but anyways it probably didn't have to last all that long because it's not long after that that lord voldemort just fucking shows up at the house ding dong dark lord calling right (laughs) exactly what i was about to say that he just doorbell rings Barty Crouch Sr. opens the door and Wormtail's like holding a baby. <laughs> and that had to have just been a whole shit ton of what the fuck. Right. For a brief moment until he's instantly put under the Imperious Curse himself. Yeah. So now the tables have turned. Have you accepted Lord Voldemort as your personal lord and savior? Imperial, you have now. Yep. <laughs> the answer is yes. Yes. But then we find out that he had learned about it from Bertha Jorkins when she was in Albania. Mm-hmm. This is also how he learned about the Triwizard Tournament that Moody would be teaching at Hogwarts, that Barty Crouch Jr. had escaped from Azkaban and hadn't come to find him because he was being held prisoner by his own father, mm-hmm. not because he didn't want to return. Yeah. And with all of this information, Voldemort is just like, I got an idea. <laughs> Light bulb. <laughs> Lumos. <laughs> Lit wand above his head. Very much a Mr. Burns from Simpsons. Yes, excellent. (laughs) But at first, when they have him under the Imperious Curse, they just have him go about business as usual. So he's still going to work. And and it explains why there's a couple of moments in the book where they talk about how somebody would ask Barty Crouch a question and he'd seem to come out of a deep reverie to answer it. And Mm -hmm. he was just kind of floating along and doing what he needed to do. Yeah. What was expected of him. But other than that, he probably was acting really weird. Yeah. Super duper out of it. Mm. But like I said, tables are turned. Now it's Senior that's the snoozer. And Barty Crouch Jr. is wide awake. Senior the snoozer? Senior the snoozer. And Voldemort asked him to be his faithful servant at Hogwarts. That he needs to be able to subtly guide Harry through the Quad Wizard Tournament and make sure that he's the winner. He's got to be the first one to touch the Quad Wizard Cup mm-hmm. after he turns into a porky, of course, because that's part of it. <laughs> really awkward if he won and then nothing happened. happens. Like, right. You were supposed to do the damn it. <laughs> I thought you were going to do that. You had one job. I had like 17 jobs. <laughs> but in order to make this plan work, they needed Alistair Moody. 
So Crouch and Wormtail make Polyjuice Potion, and then they journey to his house and somehow manage to sneak up on one of the best fucking ores ever. Yeah. But he is getting old. And he's retired. He's retired. But he is still one of the best fucking ores, so he does put up a hell of a fight, which causes quite the commotion and alerts neighbors. They call the police. It's a whole big thing. It's a giant old to-do. It was in the police blotter, I'm sure. Yes. Yeah. And they managed to subdue the real Moody just in time and forced him into his trunk. Mm -hmm. And then took some of his hair to make the polyjuice potion turn him into Moody. Like you do. Like you do. Yeah. And he gets to take his place with just enough time to like magic around the dustbins to shoot garbage everywhere. And (laughs) then just be like... I heard intruders. When uh, when Arthur Weasley shot, I heard intruders. Yeah. Just, okay. Be moody. Be <laughs> moody. I am paranoid. I think everybody's out to get me. I am moody. <laughs> Very method. Yes. That's how I imagined it anyway. Yeah. He then, you know, packs up all of Moody's stuff like it's his, makes his way to Hogwarts, with the real Moody alive in the trunk the whole time so he can question him under the Imperious Curse and take more of his hair because Lord knows he was not a barber. No. But tried, apparently. (laughs) Maybe that's who originally did the haircuts for the film. Maybe. (laughs) But yeah, so he got the hair from the stunned Imperious Moody in the trunk and stole the rest of the ingredients from Snape's office. Which did get mentioned in the movie, obviously. Ding! just not the same way and not in near as much detail no because snape actually caught moody in his office Mm -hmm. and being extremely fucking clever because let's be honest barty crouch jr is fucking smart yeah he was just like i'm under orders to search your office yeah and we did hear about that in the book because mm-hmm. Snape's was like, I happen to know that Dumbledore trusts me. But then Sirius was even like, I have a feeling that Moody just searched every teacher's office. Yeah. He probably went through all of the kids' rooms and everything. Right. <laughs> Turret to dungeon. <laughs> That's what it was. Turret to dungeon. But Dumbledore keeps the conversation moving along and now asks him what became of Wormtail. Mm-hmm. He's asking smart questions. It was not this weird, short, intense... Mm, drives me crazy yeah but crouch explains that wormtail's task was to go back to his father's house and keep an eye on him there which is you know why he escaped yeah because wormtail Wormtail sucks (laughs) (laughs) he is not as capable and clever as crouch jr no not at all but just like his son crouch senior was able to fight off the imperious curse as well so he started to have moments of lucidity and was like I have to tell Dumbledore. It's all my fault. Mm -hmm. And then again, we get a little bit into the recap because we know that Crouch Sr. escaped. We know that he made it all the way to Hogwarts, but we get to see it from the big bad's perspective now. Yeah. We get to see the reasoning behind. Yeah. It's different and it answers things for us. Yeah. So we learn from Barty Crouch Jr. as not moody that he got word from his master, that his father escaped and he had to stop him at all costs. And Crouch Jr. is just like, I'm going to kill my father. <laughs> like, that's what happened there. He's like, finally. He's got some tunnel vision going. Right. <laughs> and he had Harry's map. 
mm-hmm. to watch for him. So he was ready. He had a way to get to him before anybody else did. Yeah. Dumbledore's just like, what do you mean, Matt? He saw me stealing ingredients from Snape's office and thought that I was my father. So I let him think that I was and tried to convince him that my father hated dark wizards and he was after Snape. So the grudge that Harry has against Snape is totally my fault. Sorry. (laughs) But he explains that he took the map from him and just waited and watched for his father to show up. And it took a week. Mm -hmm. Crouch Jr. explains that he put on his invisibility cloak and went down to meet his father to cut him off. So he couldn't go talk to Dumbledore Mm -hmm. and was initially slightly thwarted by Potter and Crumb having their tete-a-tete about Hermione. I don't think that Crouch cared about that conversation. He just knew that he couldn't hurt Harry, so he had to wait. Yeah. Uh, But as soon as Potter went for Dumbledore, he attacked. That was his moment. Yeah. Yeah. Stun Crumb. Kill my father. Like, no remorse nothing at all it was just i stunned crumb i killed my father and winky's just like what what is you saying what is you saying and dumbledore's still just like and what'd you do with the body continue junior explains that he carried it into the forest covered it with the invisibility cloak and was just like i'll deal with you later probably the right plan to have yeah again he is diabolically clever yeah the way he played this out was genius Mm -hmm. he knows what he's doing yeah he stayed there at the body with the map and watched as harry ran to the castle met up with snape and then dumbledore joined them and then when harry and dumbledore leave the castle he doubles back around behind them to give just enough time that he could have feasibly talked to snape as well and then caught up to them and was just like snape told me where to go yeah And no one was ever going to ask Snape, like, hey, did he talk to you? Because why would they? That's a ridiculous thing to say. And then, just because there's also a certain amount of luck happening here, since Dumbledore thinks he's moody, he's just like, all right, Barty Crouch Sr. is around here somewhere. You go look for him. I'm going to deal with this. And Junior's just like, all right, and goes back to the body and just watches the map till everyone's gone. And he just turns him into a bone and buries him in the freshly dug earth in front of Hagrid's cabin. Which was our trivia question. Sure was. And aside from Winky just bawling her eyes out, everything is quiet. Yeah. Until Dumbledore again very calmly prompts the next question. He's just like, and tonight? Mm-hmm. <laughs> And Junior's just like, well, I offered to carry the quad wizard cup and I turned it into a port key. (laughs) Then he gets super creepy because probably all of the imperious curse and controlling spells did addle his brains a little bit. But he was just like, my master's plan worked. He has returned. That was creepy. Thanks. (laughs) And he smiles this insane smile and says that he will be honored beyond the dreams of wizards and winky just continues to sob at his side and not only did none of that happen in the movie the way the book had dumbledore do all the questioning was way too calm it was a little too chill and not enough harry did you put your name in the goblet of fire (laughs) exactly in the movie there's barely any actual questioning like, not Moody rips the magical eye from his face and it drops to the floor, still looking around in all directions. Like it does. Yeah. As his skin continues to bubble and contort. He groans in pain as the last of the polyjuice potion wears off and Barty Crouch Jr. is revealed to be the man behind the Moody mask. Le gasp! 
What? I did not see that coming. <laughs> I totally saw that coming. Yeah, I got that. Thanks. <laughs> anyway, his tongue flicks a few times and the last person in the audience to still not know what's going on finally joins the rest of us who have known for the better part of an hour now. At least. Yeah. Freddy Crouch Jr. lunges at Harry, but is pushed back into the chair by Dumbledore. McGonagall trains her wand on him to keep him in the chair as the headmaster calls him by his true name. Barty T. Crouch, Crouch Jr.? What? And with a sly smile, Crouch tells Dumbledore, I'll show you mine if you show me yours. Which, ew. I know you can't see me right now, but I am just shaking my head in disappointment. Yeah. This is the worst line ever. The only thing that made it anywhere near palatable was the fact that it came out of David Tennant's mouth. That's it. That's it. Because, yes, show me yours, please. Yes. I will show you whatever you want. Just show me yours. We're, we're doing this. But for the character, for the movie, for the story. What? Yeah. It was just so bad. Not good. It was bad. And that's the scriptwriter. That is bad scriptwriting. But he pushes up his sleeve to show off his dark mark, which is now darker and markier than ever before. So there you go. Yep. Dumbledore then grabs Harry's arm and holds it out to compare it against the other man's, which doesn't actually make any sense. It really doesn't. Like, for one thing, not Moody, Barty Crouch Jr. Totally already saw that cut. Mm -hmm. Why does he need to see it again? Hell, he stuck his thumb in it for fuck's sake and sniffed it. For another reason, it's not a fucking dark mark. Yeah. What does that have to do with fucking anything at all? You just wasted 30 seconds that could have at least been some modicum of an explanation. It could have been, but this is the movie, so it wouldn't have been anyway. It would have just been something random. (laughs) Newell! For the love of God. Then Barty does another tongue flick and smiles as he gleefully points out to Dumbledore that this means Voldemort is back. Yay! Exactly as Harry had said earlier. Because we've already What? (laughs) Harry apologizes and tearfully tells his headmaster that he couldn't help it. I hate that line too, because who expected Harry to stop it? It's just stupid. I just don't like the fact that everyone's... Because Moody apologizes, too, in the trunk. He's like, I'm sorry, Albus. Like, the fuck were you supposed to do about it? Uh, If they were following the book, he was supposed to be stunned at that moment. Exactly. And Harry, like, I'm sorry, sir. I couldn't help it. No shit, you couldn't help it. You're a 14-year-old wizard. You got outnumbered. Of course. Like, come on. This scene. (laughs) Good lord. But Dumbledore just tells McGonagall to send an owl to Azkaban as they seem to be missing an inmate. But no details. No. No details on how or why. No, nothing. Who cares about that? Nothing at all. And speaking of which, I thought that Sirius Black was the only one who was ever able to escape the ban. And hey, speaking of Sirius, why haven't we heard anything about him still being on the loose? Like, the Ministry was all about sending Dementors to a school full of children last year to catch the little bastard, but now no one seems to give a shit. No one mentions it the entire movie. It's like COVID, where everybody was super <laughs> freaked out at first and wore their masks and complained about it, and now they're just like, 
well, we're two years into this. It's still happening. <laughs> it's fine. This is fine. Everything's fine. There's a killer on the loose. No one cares. It's the dog sitting in the burning house. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but also, considering that they made such a huge deal about Sirius Black breaking out of Azkaban when nobody else could ever do that before. That's how what I'm saying. That they just glossed over this. That's what I'm saying, man. How do you not give the explanation as to how Barty Crouch Jr. did it when Sirius did it the year before and everyone lost their fucking minds? Yeah, it's annoying. It doesn't make sense. And it's irritating. And fuck this noise, man. And they could have done this. Yeah. This scene could have included Dumbledore actually questioning him and not just growling in his face. Yeah. But it didn't. And... Therein lies our problem. Newell! Yeah, instead, Dumbledore just decides that it's time for him and Harry to make like a baby and head out. But before they can, Barty calls after him and says that he will be welcomed back like a hero. And Dumbledore says, perhaps, but personally, he's never had much time for heroes. Come along, hero. I mean, Harry. (laughs) Crouch Jr. attempts to get up, but is pushed back into the seat as Snape, being done with his shit presses the tip of his wand into the man's cheek. Just the tip, though. Well, I mean, how is he supposed to press more of it into his cheek? I was being dirty, Ellen. Shut up. Jesus. (laughs) Just go with it, would you? So the comment about being welcomed back like a hero Mm -hmm. is definitely a little reminiscent of how the book chapter ended. Because he did say that he would be honored beyond the dreams of wizards. Mm -hmm. And that's like being a hero. Yeah. But it's weird that he at this point actually thinks he's going to have the chance to be welcomed back. Right. Like, that's cute. That's adorable. However. As far as we know, though, he was. He was. Like, we don't know. We literally never, ever, 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 ever find out what happened to him ever again after this scene. And that was the last anyone ever saw of Barty Crouch Jr. Yep. Pretty much. So, yeah. Get another scene with David Tennant. This is kind of his big reveal. This is. And I get that David Tennant is fucking awesome. And the more screen time you can give him, the better. Yeah, I'll give him that. But the impact that he would have had if this was his first moment on camera, as opposed to inserting him in the dreams and actually showing him cast the dark mark. Well, not to mention the fact, too, that had he been given this scene to do, the book scene... He would have killed it. Oh, he would have murdered it. It would have been amazing. He would have murdered it and we all would have munched on it. I would have signed up for that. Yeah. Can you imagine him interacting with Winky and just... I I can't even make intelligible noises. Yeah. That's how much I wanted this. Now, he was a little bit more monotonous in the book. Yeah. Because he was drugged. But it didn't necessarily have to be like that. Yeah. He still could have interjected so much crazy into answering, especially at the very end when that insane smile lights up his face. There was plenty of dialogue. There was yeah. plenty. And if there's anybody that you want to give a fucking amazing monologue to. It's David fucking Tennant. It's David fucking Tennant. Hell yes. Like, it's just, oh, I feel like this movie did so many people dirty. It really did did. so many actors dirty. It did so many characters dirty. Because maybe, just maybe, if they had written Dumbledore better, 
I wouldn't have been as mad at Michael Gambon for how he played it. Yeah. But other than the fact that this should have been the moment we were discussing David Tennant's debut into this movie. Yes. <laughs> there aren't any new actors to share. No. We are shit out of actors. It is just getting to the conclusion. Yeah, because we're almost done. Considering <laughs> that there's two chapters left and one of them's not in the movie at all. Yep. <laughs> so why don't we just move on to our Potter pondering? We will do so. And it is, what are your thoughts about how the movie did not explain Barty Crouch Jr.'s backstory leading up to this point? Find the post on our Facebook page and share your thoughts. Or call us at 216-526-6792 and leave your response as a voicemail. Make sure you start off telling us your name and then go into your answer. We really look forward to reading and hearing them. Carly also had a fantastic idea where she said she was going to video herself doing the Potter Pondering and Ooh. share that to the Facebook post, which if there's a way for me to then download that video, I don't know if Facebook lets us do that, but I could just take the audio from that. And then we'd get to see your all's faces too. That would be lovely. So if you're all about the vlogging, feel free to do shit like that too. Definitely. We love hearing from you, seeing you, just knowing that you're real people listening to us is the coolest fucking thing ever. Right? But this will bring us to our sorting hat story, which is from Laura Farmer. She writes, I'm a Gryffindor. My wand is Hawthorne wood with a unicorn hair core. Ten and a quarter inches, quite bendy flexibility. My Patronus is a bloodhound. I happened to be in a bookshop on the day Philosopher's Stone was released. I bought it, as I really needed a new book to read, and fell in love instantly. I read it twice that day and have been hooked ever since. I was 13 at the time, but I still to this day get the same excitement reading the books, and now I'm able to pass on my love and knowledge to my daughter, who is a Potterhead like me. Aww. Thank you so much for sharing your Sorting Hat story with us, Laura. Yes, thank you. And if any of you other keepers out there listening would like us to read your Sorting Hat story on a future episode, you can email it to us at justkeeprolling at gmail.com. Let us know your house, wand, Patronus, how you got into Harry Potter, and anything else that you might want to share with us. Or you can just message it to us over social media or call it in if you want. You could do that too. This week's trivia question is, what color is the sleep potion that Harry is given in the hospital wing? The first one who responds with the correct answer and the code word hashtag dreamless sleep will get a sticker. Another way to get a sticker is to rate and review us through iTunes or Facebook. Make sure to email us at justkeeprolling at gmail.com to let us know you did, and we'll get back to you to figure out which sticker you want and where to send it. Don't forget to find us and follow us on Facebook at JKR Podcast and Twitter and Instagram at justkeeprolling. Following us on Podbean at justkeeprolling.podbean.com will get you the episode as early as possible and give you a leg up in answering the trivia question. Make sure to check out our website at justkeeprolling.com and don't forget to subscribe to our YouTube channel. If you would like to help us continue creating more content, you can support us as a patron and get extra perks on patreon.com slash justkeeprolling. As always, any support you can give is greatly appreciated. We also want to welcome our latest patron and our longtime keeper and often trivia winner, Jackson Miller. Whoa. Oh, wait, we're not talking about the trivia. 
We are so happy to have you join us. It's so good to finally call you a patron. I know. Mm-hmm. Thank you so much for your support, Jackson. You are amazing. We love your ponderings. We love your trivia. We love all of it. We love your accent. And we're super excited to interact with you more in the patron-only Facebook page. Yes. And join us next week when we talk about Chapter 36, The Parting of Ways, and the absolutely no corresponding film scenes. Thanks for listening. We hope you hear us again. I'm Katie. I'm Ellen. Until the next time, just just keep keep rolling. rolling.